You're listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 93. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should do. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people. That is you, my friends. Build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it's great to be with you today. And today's episode is Risk is Not a squiggly line. If you've been with me these last bunch of weeks, you will know that we are in a season right now, a season of behavioral finance. And we are going over Dr. Daniel Crosby's book, The Laws of Wealth, all 10 rules that he has, and we're on the ninth rule today. But before we get to the episode, just wanted to let you know that I have not been sitting around twiddling my thumbs. I have been up to my eyeballs in two things. Clients, which is a great thing. Love spending time with my clients. And I'm in the middle of building a house right now. And I actually get to move in on Friday. And normally I tape these episodes on Friday. But today is Wednesday. And I will get everything uploaded so that on Friday at midnight this episode comes out. Because I've only been doing episodes every other week the past few weeks because of all this busyness. It's not not like I've been sitting on a beach. It's not like I've been eating bonbons. It's just I've had so much going on, which is a good thing unless you rely on an episode from Best in Wealth from me every week because that just hasn't been happening lately. And I shared with you a few weeks ago that we've been in a hotel because I'm a conservative guy, sold my last house too soon. My new house that I'm building was not done yet. So we are on almost a month living in a hotel. And I asked my fourth grader, Gracie, yesterday as we were downstairs eating the breakfast, I told her, Grace, what are you going to miss most about this hotel? And she looked at me with this weird face and she said, Dad, nothing. She said nothing. She's not going to miss anything about this hotel experience, which is kind of funny because when we moved in here a month ago, they were so excited to be living in a hotel because hotel for little kids is usually kind of a cool thing unless you're there week after week after week. Gracie is not going to miss a thing. And guess what? Neither am I. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Risk 
is not a squiggly line. We are, this is actually rule number 10 by Dr. Daniel, but it's the ninth in our series. And we're going over the book by Dr. Daniel Crosby, The Laws of Wealth Psychology and the Secret to Investing Success. You know, we're in a period where we've been on this bull market year after year after year, and it's getting people nervous. So I thought it'd be helpful these last weeks to get back to the basics of risk. So if you haven't been listening to the Best in Wealth podcast, go back the last six, seven, eight episodes and get your bearings right again. Get them straight so that you can get through not only this period of your financial life, but all periods. And every chapter starts out with a quote, and this quote is from Mark Twain. And Mark Twain said, October, this is one of the particularly dangerous months to speculate in stocks. The others are July, January, September, April, November, May, March, June, December, August, and February. Generally, we talk about stocks being risky, but what do we mean by risk anyway? What is risk in the stock market? I mean, I understand risk years and years ago when I jumped out of an airplane, I had the risk of dying. I didn't know if that darn parachute was ever going to open. It did, and I'm here, but that was risky. And by the way, I would never, ever do that again. That was all part of the courting my wife before we got married. Now we're married. I don't have to do that anymore. That was so scary. In the investment world, Risk is defined by the volatility of whatever you're investing in. And the volatility is measured by standard deviation. And basically all that means is if we look at a particular investment and we see over the long period, it averages a certain amount of return, let's say 8%. And then the measure of risk is what's the volatility? What's the range of returns around the average? And when we take something out a couple of standard deviations away, we can have a 95% probability that an asset is going to return a certain amount of percent. But Dr. Daniel's arguing like, is this really the risk that we care about? I mean, this is fine and dandy for the people in the investment world because it's a measurement. I mean, risk equals the standard volatility. Risk is the range of returns. It fits in a nice, neat box for people that are researching stocks. Legendary value investor Howard Marks described risk best. When he said, and I quote, academics settled on volatility as the proxy for risk as a matter of convenience. They needed a number for their calculations that was objective and could be ascertained historically and looked at into the future. Volatility fits the bill. And most of the other types of risk do not. The problem with all of this, however, is that I don't think volatility is the risk most investors care about. Rather than volatility, I think that people decline to make investments primarily because they're worried about a loss of capital or an unacceptably low return. To me, 
I need more upside potential because I'm afraid I could lose money. Makes an awful lot more sense than I need more upside potential because I'm afraid the price may fluctuate. No, I'm sure risk is first and foremost the likelihood of losing money. End quotes by Howard Marks. I mean, Warren Buffett famously said, the first rule of investing is never lose money. And the second rule is never forget the first rule. But the funny thing is, if you were investing in Berkshire Hathaway stock, you would have lost over 50% of your investment four times since 1980 alone. You would have been bailing out of Berkshire many, many times in the last 35 years. The Webster's Dictionary, you know, that dictionary we used to have on the shelves, but now everything's gone digital. They define risk as the possibility of loss or injury. So it seems reasonable that investment risk would be defined as the possibility of permanent loss of capital. Or let's bring it really personal and call risk or investment risk as the possibility that we will not be able to live the financial lives we desire. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that what we want? Don't we want to live out our dreams? Don't we want to make sure we attack everything on our bucket list? Don't we want to make sure that we figure out what our cornerstones are and then fill them up with abundance? And how do we defend against risk? How do we defend against the range of returns? How do we defend against how do we defend against making sure we achieve everything that we want to by life or out of life? And first and foremost is by diversification. Listen to other episodes in this series and we talk a lot about diversification. JP Morgan said that 40% of stocks have suffered catastrophic losses since 1980, meaning they have fallen by more than 70% or more. But when we diversify, Jeremy Siegel found in the book Stocks for the Long Run that every rolling 30-year period from the late 1800s to 1992, stocks outperformed both bonds and cash. Enrolling 10-year periods. So if we look at every 10-year period, 1929 to 1939, 1930 to 1940, every 10-year period, stocks beat cash 80% of the time. And there was never a rolling 20-year period in which stocks lost money. You see, when we look at the long-term of diversification, we see the positive outcomes if we can get by that short-term risk. Over the past 30-year rolling period, stocks have returned on average 7.4% after inflation. That's what's called the real return. So if stocks returned 10.4% on average, but inflation was 3%, the real return on your money is 7.4%. Total return minus inflation rate equals real return. And guess what? Bonds had a real return of just over 1.4%, barely upticking inflation. 
Dr. Daniel points out in this book that Greg Davis shows that if you check your account daily, your investment accounts, your 401k, your IRA, you'll experience a loss just over 41% of the time. That is super scary when we consider that our human nature feels losses twice as bad as we feel good about gains. But if you only look once every five years and not every day, you would have, have, you would have only experienced loss about 12% of the time. And those of us that only peak once every 12 years will have never see a loss in our investments. I mean, 12 years seems like a long time, but when our investment lifetime spans over 50 years, it's not really that long. And really, when we look at our investment, it's not how much we've gained, our biggest years when we've gained so much. It's protecting from those losses, making those losses not as catastrophic. That's the important thing. Let's make those lows not too low. When 2008, the S&P lost 38%, let's make sure our investments aren't losing the 38 through diversification. Let's make sure they're losing a whole lot less than 38%. I mean, Peter Bernstein in the book Against the Gods, he said, the essence of risk management lies in maximizing the areas where we have some control over the outcome while minimizing the areas where we have absolutely no control over the outcome. It's controlling the controllable. And how do we do that? Well, mass diversification, number one, and looking at these, this factor-based investing. When you look at the long term, where value stocks have outperformed growth stocks, and guess what? A lot of those periods with less risk. So why wouldn't we tilt our portfolios towards things like value and other factors like profitability and small? If we can control the way we develop the framework of our portfolio all while using modern portfolio theory, then those are the things we should worry about and not worry about how the stock market is behaving day in and day out because that kind of stuff we have no control over. It's just so funny though. We don't spend our time trying to control the controllable. We spend our time worrying about what our portfolio value looks like today now that I read on the news that the stock market dropped a percent or dropped 2%. Those are the things we seem to concentrate on. And we don't control the controllable. Let's control the things we can control, like our portfolio framework, like taxes, like a comprehensive financial plan so we don't become victim of the drift, like Social Security optimization, Medicare planning, goal planning, all of these things we can control. Let's spend our time controlling these aspects. I'm going to read one other part from this book by Dr. Daniel from this chapter, he says volatility is scary in the short term. 
but it loses its sting when we truly understand its place. Since 1971, the market has risen or fallen more than 20%, two out of every five years. Volatility is the norm, it's not the exception, and it should be planned for and diversified against, but never run from. The sooner we can accept that there will be 10 to 15 bear markets in your lifetime, the sooner you will be able to invest in a way that manages the thing you ought to fear most, which is the possibility that you will never have insufficient funds to live the life of your dreams. We know that's what we want. That's all we want as family stewards. We want to live the life of our dreams, protect our children, protect our family, invest like family stewards, and control the things we can control. Never forget that. Do not worry about what's happening, this noise on the outside. Keep your sights on the long term. I sure do hope that this helps because a lot of people, it just is so scary, this volatility. But the more we can understand it, the more we can live with it and work through it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's a war out there. There's landmines. But if if we can understand it, we can live with it and we can be disciplined through it. Hey, that's going to conclude this episode because I got to get going. I got to start packing some more boxes, moving some stuff so I can finally live in my home, the home of my dreams for my family as me being the family steward. Hey, you guys have a great day. I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance with compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.